The Tech Qualified Podcast is dedicated to providing B2B technology marketers with access to real-world case studies and best practices. We interview industry leaders to uncover what's working in the world of B2B technology marketing. If you're wondering how you can position your technology company as the choice in the marketplace, then follow along as we go on this journey together. Hello and welcome to another episode of Tech Qualified. I'm Justin Brown and this episode of Tech Qualified is brought to you by Motion, a marketing agency that focuses on the strategy and development of thought leadership programs for B2B tech companies. Today, our guest is Tom Berg, SVP of Marketing at Alpha. Tom, thanks for joining me today. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. And to give our audience some background as we get started here, can you tell us uh, a little bit about your past experience and then what you're up to right now at Alpha? Yeah, absolutely. So I have been exclusively really in B2B tech marketing my entire career, which goes back about 23 years or so. And I've been really fortunate to have the opportunity to work at companies like DoubleClick, Google, and Akamai, and Criteo, and really seeing what great B2B marketing can look like. And at this point, I am the SVP of marketing in Alpha. I've been with the company about a year and a half. Alpha is a rapid consumer research platform. We enable companies to really drive customer centricity with products and services in changing markets. Generally, we play pretty broadly in the user research category. We work with a lot of name brands and we really help them think through how they're going to digitally transform their businesses. And can you talk a little bit about your ideal customer and how you help them? Yeah, it's a great question and it's something we really spend a lot of time on. So most companies, you would typically look at it from a title perspective. And in that respect, we're not much different. We would look at folks who have uh, decision-making authority, budget authority within product management, market research, marketing. But it's a little bit of a wrinkle in that what we're looking for are companies that are really invested in digital transformation. So the champion within the organization might be from any of those groups. But what we find are companies who are really looking to change the way they think about their building products or offering services. Our typical customer typically comes from consumer healthcare, consumer finance, media and entertainment, consumer insurance. But what we're really looking for are companies that are really getting serious about transforming digitally. And what does your process look like for generating demand with those folks? Is it proactive outreach that you're doing with an SDR, BDR team? Are you generating demand in other ways? I know right now, kind of in the world, people are yeah. trying to experiment with a variety of ways of getting in touch with people. Can you talk about some of the approaches that you're taking for generating demand and getting interest within the product? Yeah, it's a great question. You hit on a, an interesting subject because probably most of your guests are wrestling with the same issue these days. We are trying to reimagine a little bit of how we're generating demand right now. We are exceedingly fortunate in that we have assets that can play in this type of environment. We have, you know, in my mind, a world-class content machine. We've been running a podcast ourselves. I think we're about to come up on episode 250 in a couple of months. We have great case studies, great video case studies. So we're not trying to change an aircraft carrier approach. I mean, we've got an opportunity to really just uh, highlight the assets we currently got. But typically, yeah, as of two weeks ago, we have an SDR team that is doing a bit of prospecting. We have, I think, a thousand pieces of content we run through Uberflip. We are fairly heavily invested in events, and that's probably been the 
the biggest sea change recently. Obviously, events are going from in-person to virtual, and we'll see how that's going to work. We have been fortunate. The topic I mentioned earlier, digital transformation, there are now starting to be events that are basically attracting folks who have budget, who have authority to make decisions, who are championing digital transformation initiatives with the company. We've had a great deal of success in sponsoring those types of events. And right now, I think even later today, we're going to talk to them about how to reframe the conversation with attendees virtually. But like I said, I think at this point, we're working as a marketing team to really think about how do we sort of deprioritize in-person physical types of marketing and how do we prioritize things that might be more virtual. So we're going to get webinars going. And then I think just more broadly, I think we'll put a little more accent right now on client retention, client support, client education. Because we're an online research platform, we're finding a lot of our customers are now using our platform to do COVID-19 research and understanding consumer sentiment and preference and behaviors. Uh, So it's been a busy time for us. Do you mind diving a little into two of those mediums? With events going away, we're really seeing a rise in B2B podcasting. It's a new medium. It's something that we've been out on the forefront doing for a long time. It started out as a passion project of us seeing that there wasn't a B2B marketing podcast into really what our business revolves around because it can be a very good demand gen tool if done the right way. And then I also heard you're getting into webinars. These right. are two of the mediums that people are using to continue. What was the great thing about events, right? The great thing about events that could never, and I'm using finger quotes here, that <laughs> yeah. could never be replaced was true human interaction. Right. And people thought there was, there was no way you can replace that. Well, we got, we got our hand forced on that one and here we are. So it sounds like you're a big proponent of the podcasting medium going into webinars. Do you mind elaborating on those two mediums? Because I think everybody was driven immediately to webinars because, you know, the devil versus the devil, you don't. So when these events went away, all right, webinar time, that's how we're going to meet people. And then there's also this other one in B2B podcasting. They're similar, but different. Do you mind talking a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, I'll start with podcasts. So like I said, we've been doing this for about four years. At this point, I think we're coming up on two and a half million listens, if not already having exceeded that. I think we've got about 20,000 subscribers who listen on a regular basis. And we've been really fortunate in that folks are now reaching out to us to see if they can get on it. So it's a nice spot to be in. It's interesting because the original intent of the podcast for us was really to talk about all the different ways in which product management could be thought about. You see an evolution in the topics, the discussions, the conversations around product management as that discipline has become more of a strategic partner at the table. You know, four years ago, product managers were usually in that role because they raised their hand to do it. There was no formal education to it. You know, now you can get a degree from several universities to it. It's more formalized, it's strategic. And like I said, now that the impetus is on companies to really put the consumer first, you're starting to see product management be more of a strategic leader within an organization. You'll see the podcast that we have reflect that. And it's been a very nice demand generator for us. It's from a numbers perspective, it might not be the one that drives the most leads, but I would say it drives the most qualified leads because if people are taking the time to listen to the podcast, generally, they're going to be a pretty good fit for our business. When it comes to webinars, in, in full disclosure, we have 
have not necessarily as an organization done a ton of them. I think we collectively as a marketing team come from organizations who have done them successfully. I think our hidden secret is that we have a number of really articulate, smart, thoughtful people who can run these. I think we're going to treat this as an experiment. I think we have an opportunity to produce webinars. We're going to do them for our clients first, just kind of navigating the landscape we're in today. The good news for us is that most of our clients are certainly Fortune 1000. Most of them are name brand companies. For them, they're not going out of business. It's just thought, thinking about how to reframe how they work, whether it's working from home, how they support customers, how they support thinking about prospects. So we'll have a conversation really about like what that's going to look like. Um, of course, we've been getting a lot of inbound demand from vendors asking us if we want to sponsor webinars. And the thing that's been really surprising to me has just been the variance in cost. Some are remarkably cost effective and some seem wildly mispriced. I guess that's probably true of any new market. We'll find a happy medium at some point. But we're going to go into this as an experiment and see six months from now, is this something we plan to do permanently or does life get back to normal and we kind of reassume our original marketing mix? From your perspective, and I've got a blog post coming out on this soon because I find it fascinating. I'm curious, what led you all that time ago to venture down podcasting versus webinars? I'll give you my perspective and then I'm curious as to yours. My perspective is this, a webinar, more like a, a, a Super Bowl where it's not just a game. You have a lot that goes into it. You need the presentation. You need an engaging speaker. You need to drive an audience. You need that audience also to engage. While a podcast, you can get on, have an organic conversation, and you can replicate it more. But it doesn't necessarily mean that one is better than the other. The podcast is much more focused on the guest, whereas the webinar is much more focused on the content and the audience. So I'm curious what led you all that time ago to when not as many people were doing uh, podcasts within our space. I mean, the, the medium itself has really launched over the last six months to a year as something for business. What led you to spearhead that initiative long before folks were thinking about it. Yeah. So this, of course, predates me, but it's a great story and it's fun to tell. So a little over four years ago, one of our co-founders, whose name is Niss, and then one of our earliest employees who's on my team now, Mike Fishbein, who now hosts the podcast, they basically went with a proposal to the CEO and other co-founder, Thor, to say, you know, hey, I think there's an opportunity to do a podcast uh, about this. The medium around product management, there's certainly no podcast to it. There's not a lot of information on it. People are oftentimes flying blind and we could be a really helpful service here. The funny thing was our CEO said basically like, don't do it. I think it's a mistake. But in the spirit of Alpha, we're a very experiment-driven company. They pleaded their case. They got to do it. And the funny thing was is that the podcast got off to a really good start almost right away. And then it plateaued. It basically saw the listenership kind of plateauing, a little bit declining. And they made some course corrections to it and thinking about who to have on, maybe the length changed, etc. And it really after that took off again. And it's been a slow and steady uptick in listeners and interest and whatnot really ever since. And like I said, we'll be on uh, Podcast 250 not too long from now. Well, I know what goes into these things, so that's a, a job well done, and we'll make sure to update the show notes with it. But we can change gears here a little bit and back to sure. more along the customer journey. So we talked a little bit about how you're driving demand. Can you also elaborate a little bit on your sales cycle, what goes into the customer journey from the moment that someone either is tapped on the shoulder or raises their hand, depending on your approach with them, to actually the conversion? 
version of them from someone who didn't know you to someone who did to coming in the pipeline to uh, actual customer conversion. What does that process look like? It's funny because everything that I will tell you about the current state of it has changed in the last year and a half. So I walked into a business where the sales cycle was, I think, 159 days. And my future boss during the interview process said, I really want to challenge you to think about how to get us out of the issue, which is sort of the mid-stage stalling of the sales cycle. And so that was an interesting challenge. And now we're at a point where it's more like a 90-day sales cycle. And if we have any issue in the sales cycle, it's generally the third stage, not the second stage. And I think we've gone a long way as a business. We're fortunate to be in a business that I think is becoming more of a line item for companies. Four years ago, we were the world's first online on-demand user insights platform. Nobody had a line item for that. The way in which companies would do customer feedback or focus groups or whatever was very old school. And to basically imply that we could get them three or 400 respondents within three days time was kind of a sea change for them. I think for most companies, especially in the Fortune 1000, user research is a line item. They are actively looking for options. In some cases, they work with multiple vendors. So it's been a little bit different. But in our case, the biggest thing is if you go back and for those of you who had an MBA education, the book Crossing the Chasm really comes into play here. I came in and most of our clients were a function of the networks that our founders had. And when you found the right person within a company, I'm not going to say it was easy to sell them, but you had a different connection. And now we're really getting into maybe the early majority, which really, in my opinion, really informs our marketing effort. Because to me, to talk to the early majority, it's really about third-party validation. It's really about um, not telling you that we're great, but having our clients and other folks who know about us going on the record and talking about us. So we've been really fortunate, uh, especially in my career, coming mostly from ad tech, where most clients did not want to go on the record, did not want to do a case study or whatever. We've been really fortunate to have some of our best customers get on stage with us, do video case studies with us, talk to press for us, talk to other prospects for us. We've really heavily invested in video case studies, traditional case studies, And what we're really trying to do is tell people, when you work with us, you can really transform your business. It's not a tagline-friendly sale. It requires a bit of a story. Marketers are natural storytellers, so it's pretty fun. And how are you using content along that journey? It sounds like you're building a lot of it in. What is the content distribution strategy while folks are going through that journey? Yeah, it's a great question. So we today sit on something like a thousand pieces of content. And we're lucky in that most of that content doesn't really get stale. Lots of the challenges that product managers face today are the same challenges they were facing two or three years ago. So we basically decided a little over a year ago to partner with a company called Uberflip, which is generally a content management system that will allow your sales team to create packages of content to send to prospects. It can basically tee up the right sort of content scheme for folks who are visiting the site. And it's a way for us to really get value from the long tail of content. So what I noticed when I talked to the sales team is everybody had their go-to case study or their go-to one sheet or their go-to article. My point was like, we're sitting on so much content that's not being used and let's figure out a mechanism to get people to be able to read all of it. And that's been really effective. We are now partnering with a company that Terminus just acquired called Sixter. It's an email marketing company. 
And we'll use that real estate at the bottom to let people within the company basically put a very nice looking banner, which will drive people to content. And that will inform some of our account-based marketing. But then other than that, I mean, a lot of it is just driving people to our, our content properties. We have This Is Product Management, which is our podcast. We have Product Management Insider, which is like a top five product management blog and medium. We have our own blog. We'll drive people to those properties, either through social media or paid media or just through natural conversation. And you mentioned that people have really started to come around to your offering as a line item or something that they're much more familiar with, in tune with, in terms of just having it within their playbook. What are you running into as your biggest challenge to get someone from interest to purchase? And what are you doing to try to overcome that? It's a great question. It's one that we're actively trying to solve right now. And what I have noticed is we have identified the companies who need to use a service like Alpha. We are adept at finding, whether it's events or other marketing efforts, the ways to find the right people. And we tell a really good story and we have lots of uh, success stories in our back pocket. What I've noticed recently is you'll find that the champion within an organization who's about to sign a contract, and for whatever reason, that might stall a little bit. And my assumption, which the sales team validated was, you know, at the end of the day, you as a champion are also having to get 10, 15, 20 people within an organization over the finish line as well, because you're not just installing a software platform. There's a change management element in what we're doing. You're asking people to test, iterate, be agile, and think about the customer first. And in some organizations, that's easier than others. And my perspective was maybe it's stalling because at the end of the day, the champion signs this and it doesn't work. There's a lot of risk there. If you can get the next 10 or 15 people to buy into what Alpha is, it's a lot easier. And so we're putting together something I've just sort of euphemistically called the last mile kit, which is like all the late stage buyer journey material we have. Customized, of course, for the customer, but basically saying like, look, we know it's an investment of time. It's a little bit of risk. We're not promising anything, but we do think that done right, this will transform your business. And it's really aimed for those next 10 or 15 people who are not necessarily signing a contract, but can make or break whether this works or not. And what are some of the other things that you're doing within content in terms of thought leadership? So I know that you have the podcast, you yep. are launching the webinar series. What other things are you doing? I mean, I don't know how much else there is that can be done, but I know that there are some very smart folks within your organization with events. Are there other things that you're doing, virtual events that you're attending, other podcasts or video initiatives that you're doing to co-brand? What are some of the thought leadership? SEO plays, things you're doing with your blog to try to continue to differentiate yourself. Yeah, there's an element of content that I would call curriculum. And we've got folks on our team who maybe come from a consulting background or they've figured out how to do this as an alpha employee. We'll look at content less as like a post or a webinar or whatnot, and just more about like, what are we trying to educate people on? And it's really all about setting your company up for success, the things you have to do internally to really make sure that on-demand user insights are utilized most appropriately. And so we've got folks that will do 
hosted events, workshops. We're obviously going to parlay that into webinars. But we also have a really, at the end of the day, a woman I used to work with at a former job, I hired as our head of content. Her name is Shauna. She's an absolute content machine. She is uh, really world-class at being able to turn what can be dry stories into like analogies and metaphors and things that are really rich with meaning. And we'll use that to get people to kind of get over the finish line with understanding what Alpha is all about. But yeah, for us right now, as you said, it's really reframing how we would look at curriculum in a virtual world. And obviously, that's where webinars are going to have a big effect. And so, you know, I don't know the exact makeup of your team, and maybe you can talk to that a little bit. But being in the role that you're in as the SVP of marketing, how do you balance short-term strategies like demand gen with long-term strategies like brand awareness? You know, it can tend to be a seesaw where you're running from one end to the other, <laughs> and then someone's pointing the other direction, and, and it's a back and forth. So what systems have you built for yourselves? What things do you have in place so that you can try and keep that seesaw as even as possible. <laughs> yeah, and that seesaw never goes away. It is literally your day-to-day -day is balancing short and long-term. I think I was fortunate when I came in to be able to hire a pretty robust team over the first year or so. Of all the things Alpha has been able to do for me professionally, that's probably been the best thing. So I've been able to hire a product marketing team. We have a, a woman who runs content with a freelancer network. We have somebody who runs for us what I'll call community, which is basically like... Like, I want somebody to be the face of the company that isn't selling you something and isn't a founder, but can really organize people around major themes and whatnot. That's been really effective for us as well. Um, of course, we have an events team and a marketing ops team as well. And so I think that the team as constructed is pretty well balanced between short and long term. Like I said, we have enough content and the ability to create enough content that if we need a particular item like, hey, this company needs a case study that speaks to this, we can turn that around really pretty quickly. So we're mobilized for speed for sure. But I would say out of the gate, we were probably underweight on short term and overweight on long term. So my first order of business joining the company was really to create the short-term stuff. And now, maybe unsurprisingly, we're back to a little bit of longer term. So thinking about things like product market fit, investing more money in brand awareness and what brand awareness looks like. I know Forrester is coming out with a report in the next month or two on the consumer intelligence space, which I hope will sort of orient the industry around a term that we would love for people to think about. Like consumer intelligence is our business. And ideally that is a rising tide that lifts all ships. But like I said, I think at this point, most companies from an awareness perspective may or may not know alpha, but they definitely know about on-demand consumer feedback. And so it's easier for us to get a conversation with the right people than it was a couple of years ago. All right. And the fun question here, if you had $20,000 to put toward any marketing initiative, what would be something that maybe you haven't had a chance to do as much with? What would you take 20 grand and put towards as a new marketing function, initiative, plan, and what you would do with that? Yeah, it might be redundant from what we said before, but I would absolutely put that into webinars. Thinking about a promotion strategy, thinking about upgrading our software. We use Zoom, but there are better options out there for that kind of thing. Just making sure that gets out of the gate really quickly. Where, like most things we do as a company, we'll do, and most marketers will do this, you'll test, learn, fail, or succeed quickly and move on. But I think it's so obvious we need to get started with it. I would put that right into a webinar plan. 
There you go. All right, so we're coming up on our time here, Tom. Just a couple more questions for you. Sure. One is, what do you use to make sure that you're up to date on B2B marketing, B2B tech? What are some of the places that you go to continue to leverage ongoing education and making sure that you're up to speed on the trends within the space? Yeah, it's a great question. I would highly recommend, caveat being it's fairly expensive, but I would recommend anybody kick the tires on serious decisions. It is, in my opinion, the single best repository for the questions that B2B marketing tech leaders are going to ask. It's how to build a team, how to build awareness, how to create a marketing plan. They are really world-class. I think they got acquired by Forrester in the last couple of years, but I got turned on to them a few years ago at a former job, and that's my absolute go-to whenever I need to find out something. There you go. All right, yeah, we'll update the show notes. I think you're right about them getting uh, acquired by Forrester. Last question here, where can people go to find you and also to find Alpha? Yeah. So you can go to our company website, which just got upgraded about a month ago. It's www.alphahq.com. And you can find me on LinkedIn. I think it's linkedin.com slash Tom Berg. All right. Well, Tom, thanks again for spending some time with me today. It was great having you on Tech Qualified. Thanks, Justin. I really liked it too. Thanks so much. And for our listeners, thanks for joining us on this episode of Tech Qualified. If you're looking to generate engaging conversations with your ideal customer profile, while also positioning your tech as a choice in the marketplace, then access Motion's ultimate thought leadership course for B2B tech companies. The online course provides a complete step-by-step process required to establish a thought leadership program using a podcast or video series. Get free immediate access today by visiting motionagency.io slash access.